I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, Matt Mills, former defender for Reading, Leicester, Bolton, Nottingham Forest. I thought we'd start off at Doncaster, which is where I think you first really came to the attention of most people as part of that brilliant side that finished 14th in the Championship, despite not having many big names and a relatively low budget. What are your memories of that side? Um, we were probably one or two players away from, from pushing for, for um, a, a, play, a playoff kind of promotion to the Premier League, believe it or not. Um, yeah, I mean, we... I think if we'd had two two forwards, I think we would have I think we'd have been in contention. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, there wasn't um, many big names, and it was a relatively low cost side. But why do you think it was such a success? Well, the manager was fantastic. You know, pivotal in terms of getting the club promoted, uh, bringing you know good players to the club, good personalities to the club. Um, we just yeah, we just had good players. You look around the team. I think Brian Stock moved on uh, to Burnley. Richie Wellens went to Leicester. Um, myself went to Reading. Um, Jim O'Connor, right back, went to Derby. Uh, all, the, all the lads went on to you know other Championship clubs. But I think we just yeah, I think we were two players away really from from achieving something. I think when I left, they they signed Billy Sharp in there, and he scored a few goals the season after. And it was like, oh, if if, if maybe Billy was there the year before, we would have we would have been in contention. Believe you know, Doncaster being in contention to the Premier League, it, it was that close. Yeah, it was probably your first full season where you really announced yourself on the senior stage. Why was it going so right for you at that point? I think for me, obviously, coming through at Southampton, uh, going out on loan to Coventry in the Championship and, and Bournemouth, and then breaking Southampton's first team, obviously getting a transfer to, to Man City, you know, couldn't turn it down, played a couple of Premier League games, uh, kind of going back out on loan again to, to Colchester, then then getting promoted with, with Doncaster, um, obviously being Leeds at Wembley to, to kind of cement myself as a championship player really I felt like I needed to play 46 games uh, get promoted to kind of earn the stripes of, of kind of worthy of that level and then obviously the season that, that that I was at Doncaster in the championship I think we surprised a lot of people by the way we played um, and obviously for me for me personally it was a, it's a great opportunity um, a great stage to, to kind of showcase my abilities working under a manager that, that believed in me yeah, and, and after that, you were being linked with clubs all over the place in the press, weren't you? And uh, I was just wondering, what goes through your mind when you are being linked with all these clubs? And I know players always say, oh, I'm just focusing on my football. But what actually does go through your mind when you're being linked with some big clubs? Yeah, I think for, I think for me, um, 
and Don, and Don, Doncaster, uh, you know, were, were fully fully aware of this in terms of the manager and, and John Ryan, the owner, who who's a great guy. Um, they, they they understood that it was a stepping stone for me. Um, I didn't kind of make too many bones about that. I had aspirations, um, you know, having having kind of been at clubs like Southampton and Man City, and and kind of you know as most players do, want to back themselves to try and play as high as possible. Uh, for me, it was, you know, they gave me the, the platform to perform. I like to think that I paid them back with a, you know, kind of few performances. Um, and I guess when the time comes when kind of Forrest, Leicester, uh, sorry, Forrest, Reading and, and, and teams like that were kind of knocking on the door, it was, um, it was great really because obviously it just kind of confirmed that my career was kind of back on track, back on the up. And then it was just making the decision of, of where I should go to, to next benefit uh, my career, really. Yeah. And you're being linked with a few Premier League teams as well. Uh, but you chose to move to Reading, who were in the Championship at the time. Uh, were you close to moving to the Premier League? Um, there, there, was, there, was, there was conversations with my agent and, and other clubs in the Premier League. But I just felt the age that I was, it was, it was really important that I was kind of going to play first team football really um so yeah i took the decision to to obviously head to reading yeah of course um i'm skipping ahead a bit here but um do you regret not moving to a premier league club at any point because i know you played a couple of games for uh, man city early on in your career but despite being a very good uh, player at championship level you never got that move to a premier league side do you did you so was that a bit of a regret for you uh, yeah, I think, you know, when I left Reading, I mean, to lose in the playoff finals is hard to take. But obviously, at 24 and captain of the club, um, to have gone up that year, uh, look at the likes of, you know, Ashley Williams and obviously his career, um, stayed in the Premier League because he, he got promoted that year and, and then stayed in. I think if we'd have got promoted with Reading, the year after I'd have been the cap- captain of a, of a Premier League team at 25 and I probably would have stayed in the Premier League for five years. That's, you know, that's what I believe. Um, but when, when we lost the playoff final and we're speaking to, you know, Celtic and Wolves in the Premier League and Leicester and, and, and there was, you know, quite a lot of teams in for me. Um, it was about making a, a decision that, that I thought that was right for kind of me and my family and, do I regret kind of not having that exposure and experience of playing regular Premier League football? Uh, yeah, it is, yeah it's, it's not great to look back on. I think I would have, I think I would have done really well at that level um, and kind of how it unfolded in, in the years to come. You know, you could argue I didn't make the right decision, but, it's, you know, there's no point looking back. Yeah. We'll get on to the Leicester move a bit later on, but just sticking with Reading for a sec, because you ended up having a brilliant season there, didn't you? Uh, despite having a couple of injuries. Uh, looking back, would you say that was your best season in football? It was in terms of player final, uh, captain, like all those types of things. Um, I wouldn't say um, my personal performance. I think they were, you know, they were better performances. The seasons when I was at Bolton and, and my first year at Forest, but it, football's so fickle. Uh, you, you you could be literally like a nine out of ten every week, but if your team finishes seventeenth, 
no one's really interested. You could be a five, six out of ten and your team finishing the playoffs. Nobody's talking about what an unbelievable season you had. Um, so uh, for me personally, I wouldn't say it was my best performing season, although it was it was pretty good. I had some good players around me that helped me along the way there. Yeah, and you mentioned losing in the playoff final as a player. How is that? How how much does it hurt when you've gone the whole season, you know, fighting for promotion and then losing at the final hurdle? Yeah, I think for us, we were kind of not really in the shake-up around Christmas and then we won 19 out of 21 to get into into the playoffs. So, we, you know, we, we kind of had the momentum um, kind of crew through the semi-final really and then, you know, the final was, was a strange one. You know, you watch it back and... There's, there's a moment after I scored where you think, you know, well, they're going to go on and turn this around. Um, I think it doesn't really hit you until probably, weirdly, like five or six years down the line. You think, oh, wow, if we'd have won that game, I, my career and life would, would have been so much different. So they are, you know, huge moments within your career. Yeah. I've got to ask you about one moment uh, in your time at Reading in particular, which was... Um, against QPR when you were caught making what the media called an obscene gesture. Um, tell us about that. What happened there? Oh, yeah. We are going deep, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, since, since I've gone back to, 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 to Reading, uh, the fans have given me some... I, I used to think it was stick to be honest, and I didn't I like it, but then it's kind of turned into a, a, a kind of pantomime uh, act. But yeah, no, so basically what happened is the year that I'd signed, I didn't. I actually fell out with Brendan Rodgers and didn't play a lot to the Christmas, and I was going to leave. And then Brian took over, and I got back into the team. And the team was like, like, like bottom three. And I not. I think I played two games to Christmas. Um, so I kind of got in the team, and and as a team under Brian, we, we really started performing well. Um, and then the season after, we were kind of mid-table at Christmas. And then, like I mentioned to you just before, we, we won 19 and 21 games to get into the playoffs. So this QPR game was one of these games in this 21 run. So we won, I don't know, 15 games on the bounds. The year before, we are a mid, mid-table championship team. We're playing QPR, who are, I think, top of the league or second. It's nil-nil with like 10 minutes to go. And I, I, I've gone to play a long ball that's gone out of play and start again absolute dogs abuse so I thought it's the right ball to play I'm going to hit it again yeah, it comes to me about 30 seconds after I'd just been booed so I've gone to hit the, the same pass and I've, I've missed the pass again and that was it I just got you know pouters from, from the crowd and I just I don't know I just kind of thought like <laughs> yeah like we'll kind of like take that we've just won 90 like we've just won 15 games in a row and you're still moaning like <laughs> you know, I'm quite an emotional player, as, as you may have seen over the years. So, um, not something I'm overly proud of. But at the same time, I think uh, looking back on it, I think a lot of the fans, I think they respect a, you know the, the, the passionate player that I was. Yeah. Just to cl- clarify for anyone who does, who doesn't know, I, I couldn't find the exact details. It just kept being called an obscene gesture. But was it a middle finger? Yeah, flip the bird. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. As, uh, well, as you say, football is a fickle business, isn't it? And even though you've gone on that massive winning run, 
fans will still find time to criticise you at every yeah, tune, just, don't they? It, we, we, we had a very mixed squad of experienced players and, and, and kind of, you know, up-and-coming young players. And I just, yeah, I just find it really difficult to take when, when obviously you're, you're absolutely, like, out there giving your all, um, you know, if anybody wants to win a game, it's, it's you, you're the captain of the club, you want to get promoted, like, you don't mean to miss a pass and, like, you know, you know, constructively, is it is it is it great to boo your own players? Like, no, I understand it happens. It's football, but um, I guess emotions um, are kind of overspilled on the day. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your move away from Reading when you went to a you went to Leicester, um, and they were spending a lot of money at the time, weren't they? Why did you choose them in particular? Um, I think the the offer from Celtic was really appealing. Um, probably one I look back on because they came, they came about four transfer windows. So it's one I probably, yeah, it is one I regret to be honest. I, I think I should have, should have probably gone there at some stage. I'm not saying I shouldn't have gone to Leicester, but yeah, I should have gone there at some stage. But in terms of the Leicester kind of all round package, it just felt like the most appealing. Um, there were Premier League offers, but the fact that obviously Sven was a manager and I'd worked with him before, I think is important. Um, throughout my career, I've, I can be a little bit, I can be a bit marmite. I'm either captain and, and, and fans like me or, you know, managers don't like me and I'm kicked out of a club. So I, I was conscious that working with somebody that I worked with before and who knew me, you know, was a Paul. Leicester, as you, as you, as you just rightly said there, were you know, spending spending lots of money in, in terms of creating a, a fantastic squad. I haven't spoke to them and, and kind of got the, the you know their ambition from the owner. You know, God rest his soul. Um, you know, look what they've gone on to do. So it, it wasn't a bad decision to go to Leicester in terms of a, a progressive club. And and yeah, I guess that's that's kind of yeah why I went. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you worked with Sven, who you also worked with at Man City as well. Uh, what was working with him like? Because he's obviously a very big name in English football. Yeah, um, I think kind of what you see is what you get a little bit with Sven in terms of um, very charismatic, isn't he? And, uh, you know, not not huge tactically, um, but what, 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 what he does do is, is, is manage to find a club that have the financial backing to, to go out and, and buy the best players, really. And I think that always helps, doesn't it? When you've got a... You've got a, a football squad that, that's, you know, capable of, of kind of taking a few injuries and, and still fielding a, a, a pretty awesome team. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good. I enjoyed, I enjoyed my time working um, with him. Yeah. Uh, well, your time at Leicester didn't really go to plan, did it? Because the, the side were expected to push for promotion, but they were nearer to mid-table. Uh, in the end and then Sven got sacked and Nigel Pearson came in and you ended up having a uh, falling out with him which meant you didn't play for three months so I've got to ask what happened there? So when I first signed for Leicester obviously I knew that, that, that Sven was you know under pressure um, because obviously the, the amount of you know, finances that were going into the club the fact that they, didn't, they hadn't had a great season before the fans were kind of a little bit on his back so um, I guess there's always that worry that if, God, if we don't start well then he's going to you know he could be, could be getting sacked that's, that's the reality of football 
Um, I remember like literally the third game of the season, we drew a loss or something. And I'm doing an interview asking, are we, are you going to get promoted? And it's like, oh, it's the third game of the season. Like, come on, like relax. Like we've got ages to go. Um, but it was almost like his head was on the block there. You know I mean, the media were just so hyped up to kind of, to, to kind of get rid of him. So yeah, obviously and he made me captain straight away as well. Um, so when he left, it was just like, okay, this is an ideal. Um, fingers crossed, lightning manager comes in, get on. We've still got like three and a half years left at the club, whatever. I think we were only, they can't quote on this, but I think we were only seventh or sixth or seventh at the time when he got started. You were about the playoffs, weren't you? Yeah, so it wasn't like we were not going to get in the playoffs and get promoted. Yeah, and Nigel Pearson came in and just, yeah, just straight away I was like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't going to work. He, you know, he kind of, he kind of, yeah, he made it clear in one way or another um, that, that I wasn't going to be, how deep do I go in this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> Really pushing me into, um, yeah, I guess, uh, just things like on the first day I ever met him in the corridor, he shook my hand and went, oh, you're not as fat as I thought you were. Wow. And I was like, all right, nice to meet, nice to meet you too. Like, we, get body, we get our body fats done every Monday and I don't think I've ever been over 10%, but like, all right, weird comment. Um, and then we played QPR the next day. No, not QPR, Crystal Palace. We won three one, I think it was. Paul Gallagher scored two absolute worldies. If you get the you know, get, get yourself on Google, two of the best goals I've ever seen. Um, and then on the Monday, he called me into his office, and I, th- I just thought he was going to go. You know what? You know what? A great game on the weekend. And uh, he just sat there and went, "Do you think you deserve to be captain?" And I was like, "Well, you know, obviously the the last manager." saw something in me, you know, within me to, to make me captain. Like, I didn't make myself captain. Like, I don't, I don't really know what you want me to say to that. Um, so just knew from the start it was cagey, shall we say. Um, played, I don't know, 15, 16 games under him. Um, they bought him Wes Morgan, I think, in the January. Um, but I continued to play, and then, I, then he left me out against... Um, Norwich for the FA Cup quarterfinal or something. Um, so I thought, oh, I'll go and speak to him on the Monday because I played 36 games in a row. I think we're probably in the playoffs this time. You know, we're not doing that bad. I wonder why he's dropped me. Kind of asked the question, you know, why am I dropped? Thinking he'd give me a, a reply like, I don't know, he wasn't very good in the last game. I wanted to give someone an opportunity, get your head down in training and... Um, and you'll get back in the team. You know, a conversation like that. Um, in no uncertain terms, his reply was to, to, to leave his office, um, which was quite random because I thought, okay, I'm just open dialogue up. Um, again, he, he was quite forceful in saying, leave my room, leave my office. So uh, see, I, I said something along the lines of like, have we got have we got a bit of a have we got a problem here because I'm trying to have a conversation with you and, and you're telling me to leave shall we say um, and then he just said you're not getting it are you? and then proceeded to do something that I probably shouldn't mention 
So we'll just kind of leave it up to people's imaginations. And then, um, and then off I stumbled. Um, and then the next, then the next day, Jermaine Beckford sent me a picture of the squad list because we were playing Derby on a Thursday night on Sky. And it said, no, no, no skipper crying face on the emoji, you know, like an emoji. And I was like, what is going on here? And then I got into the training ground and I was made to do the bleed test with the youth team, train with the youth team. Um, and then I was asked not to report to the training ground till the Monday. So this was the, the Wednesday. So I, I made my way back home to, to Swindon, where, where my family are, with, to my parents, kind of a bit like, what the hell is going on here? Like, this is crazy. Um, and then you'll, you'll probably have to find it in the archives. Sky Sports actually asked Nigel Pearson before the game, why is, why is Matt Mills not in the squad? Um, and he replied, um, I, I, I picked a, a team to win the game. Um, they said, oh, you know, you know, club record sign-in, captain, you know, why is he not here? And, and he repeated again, you know, I've, I've picked a team to win the game. Anyway, the, the, the team win 1-0, Neil Dan scored. And it was like, it was, it was lined up. It was like, they asked him exactly the same question again. And he said, listen, I'm not going to pick a team on price tags or egos. I'm going to pick a team to win the game. And I'm sat there watching this on Sky thinking, what the hell have I done to this guy for him to, to literally like throw him under the bus like this? And that was it. That was it. Trained with the youth team for two and a half, three months. And then was kindly asked to leave the football club in the summer. Um, and then made my way to Bolton. Yeah. It's, it's a weird situation, isn't it? From what you've just said, it sounds like he just had it in for you from day one. Yeah. I, I, to, to be honest, as time's gone by, I, I feel like it's, um, I, I, I like to read um, quite a bit and, and, and you read different kind of coaching uh, manuals or, or management management books. And there's, a, there's, there's, there's like a kind of old Chinese proverb or something that you like, you, you basically chop off the head of the snake and then like, you know, you, you, you won't get any backlash as it were. So he's kind of gone in there and thought, right, if I go after... To be fair, I think me, Paul Koncheski and Jermaine Beckford were kind of like the bigger names in the squad. It was like, right, if I can stamp my authority on the squad and show that I can get rid of the captain and nobody messes with the manager, everybody else would be so scared of me they'll fall into line and do as they're told. It, it worked. Then, well, in the sense that Leicester got promoted and, and, and whatever. So um, I just happened to be the fall guy. If you could see us recording, you would notice that Justin and I generally wear a different football shirt almost every week. There's nothing that fuels nostalgia more than an old football shirt. And guess where you can get them? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk Absolutely. I spent plenty of money there and got myself some cracking purchases. Just recently, I started sporting an AZ Outmore training shirt and a Hoffenheim training jumper. So pretty different. Exactly that. And it's not just football shirts. You can get training wear, footballs, boots and match-worn stuff from former pros. There genuinely is something for everyone, no matter which side you support. So find what you're looking for at classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in-store in either London or Manchester. For you as a player, when you've gone from 
I don't know, 10 months earlier being one of the most uh, sought-after defenders in the Championship to going to just not playing at all. How does that, how did that make you feel at the time? It's really tough. Like, I, I, I don't think, um, uh, yeah, I don't think players kind of get to, to talk about it too much. Um, in the in the local media, in the national media, like I was portrayed as, you know, this horrible person and I just had to keep my mouth shut because if I start coming out and saying what really happened, it's like, oh, you're just saying that because you're not in the team anymore and sour grapes, why you're not playing. Um, so you just keep your mouth shut. You have some real lonely moments and some real depressive moments. Um, you know, I was in Leicester two and a half hours away from anyone I knew um, on my own. So it's, yeah, it was, it was an extremely diff difficult period in my life, one that I would never, ever wish to go back to. Yeah, I suppose when, from a fan's point of view, when you see what's going on and you only hear one side of the story, you don't always consider the player's point of view, do you? And in your situation, I imagine you're not the only player who's gone through that kind of thing, are you? No, loads of players, and you know, it happens all the time. And, um, and the reality is, like, I think after I stopped playing 36 games in a row, I think we were, like I said, I think we were maybe in the playoffs and ended up drifting to mid-table. So it wasn't like the decision to, to, to not play me was justified because the performances and the results got better. So I don't think, I don't think that was the case, but to, to obviously the way in which the club at the time and the manager particularly kind of spun it, it, it made me look like a bad egg, a bad player. So like you say, you know, my stock had gone from being five and a half million pound, 25 year old kind of next big thing to to literally nothing. Yeah. Have you spoken to Nigel Pearson since? Uh, we played against Leicester when I was at Bolton, the year that they got promoted. And I just went over to him and shook his hand and said, um, congratulations. Um, so, you know, something along the line of congratulations. Uh, obviously not overly happy with, you know, the, the, the way kind of you'd out with my situation but obviously it's it's ended up to you know to to be the right decision because you've ended up getting the club promoted so in terms of uh Nigel Pearson's career um like I'm you know a significant part of it um he had a job to do and he did it um but the, the mental scars that that leaves you know, on, on on myself and probably many others that, that you know through through what you know he's done and other managers done. It's it's the horrible dark side of football that that fans don't get to see and and um, now retired old bitter pros can probably talk about and uh, you, you develop you develop a, a thick skin through you know kind of eighteen nineteen years of, of, of professional football. Yeah, there'll be people who are listening to this and they'll be saying why didn't you just speak out about it and say what was happening? Because being frank, if that happened in a normal workplace, someone would probably get in trouble for it. But in football, it's completely different. Pro prove it, Ryan. That's what they'll say. 
fair point. Uh, but in terms of why wouldn't you speak out about it? Why didn't you speak out about it? Uh, it's a good question. I, I, to be honest, I think I just felt I just I just felt really really alone, and I just felt that I couldn't talk about it. And you know, you know would it be like I said? Is it sour grapes that the manager's not left me out? So he's created this phantom story that that is happening. But everybody everybody knew at the club. I think I think the, the secretary got banned from talking to me. I used to hand out the tickets as captain. You know, proper isolated me. You know, moved me out of the dressing. Did all the things that you would do to psychologically destroy somebody to 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 for, to make me leave the football club and walk away from three years still left on my contract. Yeah. Well, let's move on because uh, you went to Bolton shortly afterwards, and then while you were there, that's when the club started going into full financial meltdown. Uh, as a player. Were you wary of what was going on off the pitch? No, and I think like I've got a great relationship with Bolton fans, and I did enjoy my time there. But the reality is, you know, I probably should have gone to Celtic when I left um, Leicester. Um, I don't think anybody could have seen what happened um, very, very quickly into my my Bolton kind of life. I realised, wow we're in big financial problems and we're not going to attract the right players. And my dream of getting promoted and playing in the Premier League is starting to get further and further away, even though my performances were probably the best they'd ever been. Yeah, I've read a few of your interviews when you talk about your time uh, before moving to Bolton and it seems like you were kind of sold this idea that the club are going to go straight back up to the Premier League. But... At what point did you realise that that just wasn't going to be the case? We missed out on the playoffs in the last day of the season on goal difference in the first season. Um, yeah, literally goal difference. Um, and then that summer, the, the chairman, who had obviously massively financially backed Bolton, probably to the tune of £120 million, I think he wrote off, um, just walked away, walked away from the club, took the decision You know that is... His family didn't want to be involved in anymore. He wanted to not put any more of his money in, you know, kind of kids inheritance into a football club. So walked away and yeah, kind of years two and three and, and obviously the last five or six years, it's just been a really difficult, really difficult time for the club. So yeah, from a, from a personal point of view, in terms of my career, it, it kind of become you know, extremely difficult for me then to, to kind of kick on. And it was a case of doing um, the best that I could in, in difficult you know, circumstances. Yeah. As a player, um, when this is all going off, um, I mean, we've got loads of clubs at the moment who I imagine are in financial trouble and we might start seeing that in the next few months or so. But how does that affect you as a player when you know that the club isn't doing too well off the pitch? I th- you know, I've mentioned it many times, uh, Ryan. You can only you can only control the controllables, can't you? And, you know, f- with everything that's going on on a day to day basis in whatever walk of life that you're you're in, you can only be in control of how you conduct yourself, how you um, how you perform. Um, uh, and I was very conscious that there was a lot of stuff going on, um, but I was I was being paid to 
to do a job and I, I would try and continue to do that the, you know the best that I could. Mm. We well, moved to Forest uh, soon afterwards and I heard your interview with uh, the Forest podcast over the Trent where you spoke about working with Philippe Montagnier and you weren't too impressed with his methods shall we say. Uh, tell us about that. No it was just like it sounds it is hard like it, it was a shambles it was a shambles in the, in the sense that, that I kind of joined the club we had a good good squad we had a good manager in Dougie Freeman um, the mantra was you know to stay up kind of year one we were in embargo probably year two you know possibly push the playoffs but certainly year three we'd be out of the embargo kind of money to spend uh, you know kind of give it a push so I was, I was really sold on that journey that you know, talking to a football club that have got a three-year plan and the manager's going to be in place and that stability is, is so rare, as you know, especially in the championship, the turnover manager is insane. So it was it was nice to, to, to not have that ridiculous pressure if you've got to go out this year because they under, they understood the you know, financial constraints. So, yeah, Dougie, Dougie got sacked when we were, like, mid-table um, and then brought in uh, Philippe the, the following pre-season. Um, and he, he was appointed on like the last day before of summer. So we were coming back to pre-season. We literally like so many names banded about. And it was, yeah, it was just, it was just really bad. Um, pre-season was terrible. We didn't, we didn't like lads were begging to be more running, which is just unheard of. Um, we had no game plan. And it's just, it's difficult when you're thrown out to a football pitch and no, no one really knows what they're doing. It's like winging it as if you're playing down the park with your mates and, and the levels that are, you know, in the championship and the, the type of calibre of players and managers you're coming up against, it, it was just a really difficult time. Yeah. You said earlier that your first season at Forest was probably one of your best as a player. And when you look back at it as a whole, um, how do you sum up your Forest career? Forest, um... I think, like, yeah, like you say, first year, I think I was the second top goal scorer, um, which is bad from centre from half. Played probably, you know, close to 40 games, if not more. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I did well. I think I did well. I was in a well-structured team. We went on an unbeaten run. I think we were in the top four or five, I would, I would say, in terms of defensive um, clean sheets. I got nominated for Player of the Month a few, a couple of times. So, yeah, year one was great. Year two was just, like I said, really difficult because it was just like trying to play football with one leg. And that's what it felt like at the time. So getting, getting, um, getting abuse off fans because, you know, we weren't getting results. Everybody was getting stick, even more so than sad because I was captain. Got really emotional because, like, it was just like, I knew, knew we weren't going to do well or it was very very difficult to see where a win was going to come from but again not, not going to kind of duck and hide behind um, a bad manager and you, know, you, you do see it like just kind of fake an injury for a couple of months and stay out of the line like, I, was, I was always prepared to kind of go and, and give my best because I was you know worried that if we didn't get some points on the board we could go down um, so so stayed up that year on the last day um, and then year three um, change of owners at Christmas a uh, few bits around that and then found myself leaving so I love my time at Forest it was, it was an amazing club great fans um, I just kind of wish 
it had been three years of what the first year was really, or the first ten months was, because I think I would have done really well. Yeah, of course. Um, fast forward a bit, and you were playing in India last season. How was that? Yeah, it was good. I think um, I think as you can imagine from the Leicester experience, um, and and then obviously Bolton kind of not really uh, coming through in terms of some of their promises, and then the kind of Montagnier and new owner. Yeah, my head had, my head had, was just scrambled to be honest, and then I. I had a medical, I had a medical at Sunderland, but that fell through because the club was just completely, um, yeah, all over the place. They were just a mess. I don't know how it really happened there, but I actually went up there and physically did a medical. Um, went in at Wigan, and they were kind of barring over prices in terms of wages, and it's like, oh, well, you know, you're 31 now, and it was just like seriously, like played 40 games last year like you know exactly what you're going to get from me I've played nearly 450 league games like you know you know you know what you're going to get type of thing why, why are we having an R and you either want me or you don't like what am I coming in to train for and then I just thought oh do you know what like emotionally mentally I just can't do this anymore like I'm I'm done so um, I took up the, the option that, that I had um, to, to, to go to India and, and experience something different, different culture, uh, different way of life. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really, it was really good. Mm. What was the standard of football like? Um, di- difficult to place in terms of where, where it would be within the English like kind of pyramid. But for me, um, it was, in areas, it was better than what I thought. So um, you're allowed five, you're allowed seven foreign players in the squad, uh, and only five are allowed to be on the pitch at any given time. So if you can imagine, there's there was myself uh, and three uh, Indian lads at the back. So that was your back four. You would have a foreign lad centre midfield with a couple of Indian lads in midfield, and then you'd have three like foreign strikers. Well, I was finding myself playing against like three South Americans or three <laughs> with me and three, 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 three lads from India. And you're like, this tough, it's tough. Do you know what I mean? So, so some of the foreign players are, are you know, fantastic. They would, they would be brilliant additions to, to English football. Um, so it's like from one extreme to the other. Uh, but, the, but the, but the Indian guys were amazing. They, I think one of the big things that, that I enjoyed about going over there is is not only were you playing, but but you were almost like coaching because they were you know really thirsty to kind of learn and, and, and get you know know about your experiences and they, they would Google you and like, oh my god you played against Fernando Torres or Raheem Sterling like what was it like and you know what movements did he do and like you know can you tell us? and so you end up like and you live you you're living together like in a you know, a hotel and you, you, you've got access to like video analysis. So, you know, your family aren't there, so you've got nothing else to do and to, to kind of, yeah, just talk football and share experiences. And it was just, it was just a really nice experience. Yeah. Well, you now play a coach at Forest Green. Um, what's the next step in your career? Are you looking to go into management at all? No, so when I come back from India, um, I was going to retire, um, but then I had the opportunity to, to go in as a player coach role at Forest Green, which um, 
you know, appealed to me because I liked the, 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 my little brother was there um, and the brand of football they played was, was really good. Um, so I thought, okay, let's, let's explore kind of, you know, the coaching manager route possibly with, with kind of what I'd done in India and, you know, captained, you know, a lot of clubs and, uh, and kind of a, 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 that kind of mould of player. Um, so I enjoyed, enjoyed my time last year, but kind of announcing my retirement last week, um, on my, or this week on my birthday, um, not only am I announcing my retirement from continuing to play, I'm actually walking away from football completely. Okay. Why is that? Um, it's, it's just not, it's just not the right, it's just not the right career for, for me to, the industry for me to, to continue in. Okay. Um, I thought we'd just finish off with three quickfire questions, if that's all right. Best well, player you played with? Uh, quite a few. Uh, let's go Ilana. Ilana, fair play. Uh, best player you played against? Ronaldo. And best manager you worked with? There's a few. Yeah, Sean O'Driscoll, Brian McDermott, Dougie Freeman. Great, Matt. Thank you for your time today, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and we'll see you again next week. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.